This is Kurt. And this is Tracy. And this is the MFG cast. Welcome to another edition of the MFG Cast Board Game Review. Yeah. This Whose time... voice was that? <laughs> that was you trying to be Walter Cronkite or something. I guess I, don't know. I was trying to. Welcome everybody, boys and girls, non-binaries, children of all ages. We have a twofer today. What? A twofer review. A couple of blue-orange games. We're going to be talking about Zoom In Barcelona and King Domino Origins. I've always been a big fan of Blue Origin games because they do a really good job of making fun, engaging games, but they're also very easy to learn, very easy to play, I feel like, for yeah. me. Yeah, no, I think they do a great job. Our collection includes many of their games. Yeah, we actually have quite a few of them now. Some of the ones I can kind of see out the corner of my eye, like the original King Domino, Scary Yaba, Planet, Detective Club. I mean, geez, we have a ton. We do have a ton. And I feel like they always make their games easy to teach yes, people for sure. also. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Thank you to Blue Orange Games for letting us have review copies of both of these games. Uh, which one should we tackle first? Well, it doesn't matter to me. Okay. We're going to talk about both of them. We are. If we, if we go alphabetically. Oh, okay. I don't know. Let's go if we go backwards alphabetically. <laughs> reverse out of alphabetically. Reverse, reverse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just, let's start with, um, actually, you know what? Let's start with one that, out of the two that you may not know about as much as the other. That's that's what I was originally going to say, and then I said alphabetically, and then I don't know. Like, I totally changed up my thought. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think we should talk about that one let's first. Let's do that. So let's talk about Zoom in Barcelona. Um, this game is done by, and I'm going to ruin all of these names. I apologize to all of you. every time. I do, but you know what? Hey, at least I'm consistent. Yes. Uh, this game is designed by Nuria Caselas, Aloy Pirades. And Joaquim Valata, oh boy, I'm so sorry to every one of you. And then art by Sophie Rain, I can't even say one that I could get really easily. That's because you were trying to rush through it. That's true. Art by Sophie Wainwright and Craig Peterson. Uh, in this game, uh, let me just read the little tagline in the on the game instructions. It says, travel around the city of Barcelona and take the best photos to win the game. In Zoom in Barcelona, oh boy, let's try that again. In Zoom in Barcelona, players compete in a photo contest to try to take the best photos of the city. During the game, you will take photos of its beautiful locations, the iconic structures that create the byline of Barcelona, and dragons. 
this game is basically you're just taking the you're taking snapshots of beautiful Barcelona and it says in here as a kind of like did you know that you can find more than 400 dragons in the city of Barcelona artists and architect architects have kind of scattered them throughout the city and I think that's kind of neat because that's something I I personally did not know myself nope I love dragons I love the theme of dragons I like the fact that that is there it'd be kind of cool to go there sometime to see that i'm sure that won't happen in my lifetime but it's kind of a cool thing to throw it on your bucket list i'll put it on my vision board i don't have a vision board that's usually not what vision boards are used for <laughs> i don't know but that's it anyway so basically you're just trying to score the highest number of points to win a photography contest to do that what you're doing is you're taking photographs of landmarks uh along around the city and bonus points if there's photos that contain relevant themes of the game. So, like, you'll have different things that you'll start out with that are things that they're looking for. So you want to try to find those things during the game. Yep. And those items are just drawn at random at the beginning of the game. So everybody has the same theme throughout the game. So it could be that the card references the word house or has certain symbols on the cards that you if you collect cards with those symbols or words on them then you get more points i think you score an extra point on each card that has one of those items on it when you score at the end of the game that's true and also you can score points by taking photographs of different buildings in the skyline of the city so uh, you'll have this little starting board and you'll have this little starting token and on the opposite side of it where you keep it hidden, hidden from everybody else, there's a certain way from left to right, uh, different parts of that skyline in the city. And if you do those, if you collect those tokens in order, depending upon how many you get, you get more points that way. Yep, but you have to collect them in the order, but... Just because you're thrown off track because maybe somebody else has collected the next one that you need in that skyline, you can still score points by, I can't think of another word, but start over, basically. Mm -hmm. So you could collect two and then maybe miss one and collect another one and another one and another one. And then you could score points for the two that you collected and then points for the other three you collected. Correct. Yeah, so there's a, yeah, you can't, you don't, just because you break the uh, momentum of the pattern, the pattern basically, then basically. doesn't mean you still can't get points for the end of the game. Yep. So basically when you're setting up the game board, you're putting your game board out, it's got the city of Barcelona and the streets that are connected to it. Depending upon the pl uh, number of players, you're putting tokens on the board as far as the skyline goes there, so you can get those tokens we played mo for the most part just two players so it was one of each building so getting your skyline patterns is a little bit harder because you have less tokens there well but i would imagine it'd be harder if or hard too if you had more than two players because you'd have i think you get two of each picture of a specific skyline but then you're also still competing with additional players true to collect them that's true yep also at the beginning of the game you're getting some transport cards which help you move around the board uh the, i think it's anywhere from like numbers three to six where you can those can help you move but you also have 
a just a regular movement of one to two spaces that you can take on your own without having to use cards. You also have landmark cards that you'll be putting on the board. You'll be putting those on the side, and then depending upon where you get to move on the board, there's these little spaces like they've got certain shapes and certain certain numbers. And once you are able to get to that spot on the board, then you're collecting cards that you use for the end of the game. So you'll get three points for every card you've collected there, but also you'll get those bonus points for the cards that are for the uh, symbols that you're going to be getting by those little tokens that you're starting for that will get you those bonus points. And like I said, you're, you know, you're taking those two tokens for the themes and you're putting those on the side and those kind of help you get those landmark cards and stuff like that to get those bonus points. Um, you're also shuffling camera boards and giving them to each player. It gives you a location of where you're going to start. So like one of them's like a train, one of them's like a plane. That's kind of where you're starting on the board going around the table. You also get a zoom collect or zoom selector on your little camera. That's actually going to help you move more during the game. So like you start with like three moves and that gives you an extra move to do during the game. So you can add that to your movement cards or you can add that to your regular, your regular one to two movement. And you don't have to use all three of those, all three of that zoom movement at one time. You can split it up into, I want to move two additional spaces this turn and one the next one, or I can do one, 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 or I can do an additional three. But once they're used, you don't ever get it back. That's right. And then you're, uh, you're taking, or you're shuffling cards and you're putting some landmark cards at the bottom of the board and what that means is once you are able to get to the certain spot on the board where these landmark cards are you're going to be able to move these little um, player cubes that are in your color and depending upon where your cube ends up at the end of the game you're going to be able to count that many cards that you've taken for your photography contest and you're going to be able to use those points for the end of the game so if you don't get as far so like it's like two four six eight as far as your cards if you don't get further up you're not going to get as many points you might still be able to win the game but it's going to be a little bit harder to do so and they reference that area as um, times of day so they talk about it being sunrise sunset i think high noon and something else so you want to move throughout the time of day so to speak so that you can collect or um, move to those locations so that you're able to score at the end of the game because like Kurt said if you're not moving on that track if you even collect eight cards or eight landmark cards at the end of the game which is really what triggers the end of the game you're not going to score all those if your cube doesn't make it to the end at night time night time yes Yes. Um, and also they have a spot, uh, you take a dragon token and put it in the dragon layer. And what does the dragon layer do for us during the game? I use this one a lot. You sure did. Yeah. So if you make it to the dragon layer, um, and this gets randomly selected at the beginning of the game, but once you hit the dragon layer, it's in a specific location, then what you actually do is you get to select one of those landmark cards that are on the side of the board. You can pick whatever one you want. If maybe there's a landmark card out there that has a theme on it, so it has one of those icons or one of those words that will give you extra points at the end of the game, that might be of best interest for you to take one of those. And you take one of those and you get to put it as if you've collected it. Fill that empty space with the top card of the next 
card on the stack. And then what you do is flip over the next card in that landmark stack. And that's where the dragon basically relocates to. Mm -hmm. So that's where the dragon's lair is next. And you move him to the next spot. So let's get a little bit in. I mean, we've kind of been talking about the gameplay a little bit as we kind of introduced the game. But let's get a little bit more in depth. So uh, the thing that I talked about before is one of the things you can do during the game is moving. Okay, so you've got your movement where you can either do the one to two on your own or you can use your movement cards. You take those. If you're using a movement card, you put those face down by the stack of the movement cards themselves and And face up face up sorry and then you can move (laughs) up to that number on the card so like even if you played like a six move card you can go less than that if you'd like yeah if you only want to go five spots yep there's like i said there's different places to go you've got your your numbered your numbered spots there where you can go to collect different cards and move on that move on the uh natural light track to end up you know, getting those cards or counting those cards as far as the end of the game goes. For scoring, yep. <clears throat> For scoring, yep. Uh, there's also informational points, which we didn't talk about. And when you when you get there, what happens when you get to that spot? When you um, get to the informational spot, you have the opportunity to take those transport cards or those cards that have your numbers on them. If you don't like ones that you have in your hand, um, like Kurt said, they have... Three through six, and they just get handed out randomly. So let's say you have a handful of threes, or you have two three-value cards in your hand, and you want to try to get higher-valued moves. You can um, trade those in, and you can redraw up to three cards. Or you can keep whatever cards you have in your hand and just fill your hand to up to three cards in your hand for the information, move, and then your turn is done. We also talked about the moving to the dragon layer to so help get you uh, certain cards that way. And also, there are metro stations. When you're going to metro stations, you're actually going to that. You're ending your turn at that spot, but you're not quite done yet. There's different metro spaces on the board. Once you land on that metro spot, you can go to any other metro spot that's on the board. So it's taking that metro, of course, and getting you directly to that spot, and you end your turn there. Yep. One thing to remember is that you can never be on the same space as someone else. So that's important because that happened to us. So if you're shooting for the same um, area as someone else, um, you have to keep that in mind. You can go past them. So if you want to make your move past another player, you can do that, but you can never land on the same spot as them. So if you're going to take the metro and they're already in a metro spot, that you want to go in because you're both shooting for maybe the dragon's lair or something like that, um, you have to go somewhere else. After you've done all your movement, you can perform it one action during your turn. So as you're taking a photo, there are different things you can do. You can take a picture of a landmark. You can take a uh, picture of the skyline building. You can do the dragon in its lair, which gets you that extra get you that card of anything that you want or you can move on that natural light location the one thing we kind of left out when we were talking about moving around and being able to do things is we didn't talk about the skyline building so what that means is there's this little icon it kind of looks like a little circle with little uh kind of like a burst yeah kind of like a burst going out to the side Mm -hmm. and when you do that you're able to take pictures of these 
skyline viewpoints and you can take any of the tokens off of the board that you want remembering what what order you want to take it in that's true so you can look at your hidden pattern on your camera to determine which one you want to take but remember if somebody has already taken that next skyline photo that you need to collect that's okay just continue and go on to the next one yeah so, like, f- as far as the points go, like, if you get one of them, you get one, two for four, three for seven, four for 11 and up. So, again, it's it's a little bit more difficult than you would think to do, but just because you don't finish that whole thing doesn't mean you still, still can't get some more Skyline pictures and even create more past victory. Um, one thing that we, I'm going to just mention because... One thing that we had stuck in our brains as we were playing when we were collecting the landmark cards that are on the side of the board, the ones that have the themes on them. So they have the words that might be themes or the symbols that might be themes. They also have numbers on them. So they have numbers because they basically all the spaces on the game board have numbers and colored sections and also shapes. So it's really nice for people who can't identify the colors. But the numbers get you to where the number is. (laughs) The number doesn't mean that that's how many points you're going to get when you take that card at the end of the game. So for some reason, Kurt and I had stuck in our heads when we did our first play (laughs) that like we weren't fighting, but I had snagged an eleven card and he was upset with me and then we realized at the end of the game that it didn't matter so i'm telling you right now that the values of the cards don't matter it's the themes on the cards and it's how many cards you collect and how you've moved on the light track to collect those points and the points on the skyline. So there's a lot of different things you can do, but those values on those cards or those numbers on those cards don't matter. No, no. They so don't. that was fun. Because <laughs> you would have smoked me on that one because yeah. you he was walking around or yeah, yeah, you were exploring around on the board collecting all these high values and I thought... Man, I'm going to get annihilated. Yeah. And then we find out at the end that it didn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So the end of the game is triggered once one person has their eighth landmark photo and collects that card. And, and then, oh, can yep. I speak or can I say yeah. something? Yeah, yeah. You can collect the eighth landmark card even if you're not to the, the farthest point on the light track. Yeah, for sure. Two. So you're just not going to score all the points, but... You could do that in order to, like, be rude to somebody else that you're playing with, you know. So rude to, like, try to win. <laughs> well, no, but I'm just saying, like, let's say you've collected all eight of your cards. No, you couldn't collect all eight. Let's say you've collected seven of your cards, but you're only on the second light room or light track. Mm-hmm. So you'd only score for four. Yeah. Like, I could sneak up quick get my last card and finish the game and see what happens. Well, according to this, the game ends immediately when the person gets their eighth card. So you won't be able to try to catch up. It's like whoever gets No, I'm not saying catching up. I'm saying messing with you. Oh, yeah. Because I could be like sixth 
or like on the third spot. So I'd score on six cards. You would score on four, but I don't know. Yeah. I, knowing that maybe I scored more on the, not that I would know that, but I could score more on the skyline or something like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or yeah. just try to mess with you. Oh, for sure. There's, there's, they gave enough options to where, you know, you can make it go go quicker, and it might yep. throw people off track too because they're trying. Like maybe you're trying to go for like all the skyline buildings, and you're like, okay, well, I need to make my way around the board to do this. Meanwhile, the other player is like, well, I'm just gonna grab all these cards and make it a quick game, and you won't be able to do all that and mm-hmm. get the points that you want to collect. Or you know, you got a lot the bonus points on the landmark cards because you've matched the themes, and you notice the other person didn't care about them mm-hmm. because you're getting extra points. When you're collecting and matching the themes on the cards. Yes. And they're not. Sorry. I didn't mean no. to interrupt you on the end of the game. No, but it's okay. I was just being naughty. So then at the end of the game, you're scoring points for the landmarks and skyline buildings you've collected. And, you know, using that, making, seeing how far you've gone, the uh, natural light tracker, uh, add all the points together, and whoever has the most wins. And the game doesn't score very many points. It does not. It's one of those uh, games maybe it was just us. No, I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, I know there's ways to probably, you know, get, you know, a decent amount of points. But I don't know. It just feels like there's, I mean, unless you're really a super sleuth at getting everything quicker than everybody else, I feel like it's harder to get well, a ton of points. Well, or the landmark cards lay out and you get all of the, you match all the themes and you score extra points there. But all of our scores were in the 20s every time. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, but some games just score like that. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many cards in this game, too, that some of those themes might not even show up. So mm-hmm. it's like, or maybe they do. Maybe there will be the one of that, that one game where, like, all the themes are there. It's like every card has that theme. You're like, wow, I just scored more points than I was uh, expecting to you know, score and stuff like that. Right. So what did you think about Zoom in Barcelona? Well, I had no idea what to expect from this game. Honestly, I'd never heard of it. Except for when they um, sent it to us. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot more elements in it than I expected. There was a lot more going on between the um, the light track and the dragon's lair and collecting cards and the skyline. I thought it had a lot, a lot more that you could do with it than I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. I I had seen this here and there, but I didn't really know about it too much until we were approached by Blue Orange to review these games. And once I kind of read on what it was, I was like, "Wow, this is something like I've I haven't seen." You know, there's not as far as I know, there's not that many games out about photography. You know, and I kind of like that it's you know about Barcelona and it has the dragon or has the theme of dragons. Throughout the game, you know, like, all of the art that they have in Barcelona and yeah. stuff like that. I just think that's kind of a cool idea, and it, it worked out well. This game isn't, like, too, again, like we talked about, very easy to learn, very easy to play. Didn't take very much for setup and takedown. Like, it really, I mean, you can really just get into it, play it quickly, and only plays in, plays 30 minutes. Uh, ages mm. 8 and up, 2 to 6 players, so it's, like, doesn't take that long. Yeah, and you can you really you can take as long as you want. Yeah. 
to play it, the board was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. We we were laying it out and and uh, I said, "Gosh, this board is big." And then as soon as you looked at it, you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah. Like that is a big board. Yeah, there's a lot to it. The production value is very good. It also also if you wanted to play a shorter game too, they have a lot of sections in here highlighted in blue. If you take that out, you can actually play a beginner's game, which doesn't include as much stuff. So you can play a nice shorter game to kind of learn it, and then you can play it from there. Which we went right into the nitty gritty. Apparently, yeah, we're hardcore. <laughs> we're <It's>, hardcore. <laughs> I don't. Well, it's it's not even. I mean, even the other stuff that they have, it's not. Again, it's not that hard to learn. So you know, we were able to get it into it with ease. So now that we've talked about Zoom and Barcelona, let's rate it. On our MFG cast scale. Okay. So, we have our rating scale. We have the Collection Keeper. It's one that we're going to keep on our collection for days to come. It's one that we're going to want to pull out every single time. Well, not every single time, but more often than not, we're going to want to play this than the other games because it's just in our minds and in our hearts. Uh, Fair Player, it's going one that's going to get played a decent amount, but it's the, probably not going to be the first one we want to play but we're going to want to get a decent amount of play in it we also have overlooked overlooked is we'll probably play something else before we'll play this but it might get its share of game playing throughout the year and then lastly the unfortunate passer just wasn't our cup of tea i guess <laughs> i don't know why i was having a tough time figuring out how to say that anyway okay. so wh what do you think kurt um i think this would be a fair player I think it was really fun. Again, I think it's very easy to learn, very easy to play. Uh, I really much enjoyed it. It's probably not one I'm going to want to play every single time, but I really I really think it's one that's, because of the accessibility to, and ease of playing, I would, wouldn't mind getting it to the table. Like I said before, the production value of it and the uh, uniqueness of being a photographer in a game is cool, so that would probably get me to want to play that more as a theme because there's not that much of a theme these days as far as photography goes. So, um, yeah, I would think of call I would call that a fair player. What about you? I would have to agree with you. I think that this game is also a fair player. I think that this would be a teachable game with like your family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again because I said the word family weird. Um, I think this game is a teachable game with your family. Mm -hmm. It's a two to six player game. So I think we can catch the majority of your close family in this game to teach them how to play it. And I don't think we would lose anybody with the elements of this game. Mm -hmm. Yet it's not so easy that it would be boring for anyone. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. I feel like if we brought this to the table again, we could pick up on it fast and not have to keep relearning the game over again, like you know how you do with some games. Yeah, for sure. So, I feel like it would be a fair player. Like you said, I don't think that we would probably haul it to our table all the time, but I think due to the, the topic and... I think the I think the uniqueness of the game with all the different types of things you can do. I think it could have been maybe a fail on their part if they didn't have 
multiple elements that you were able to do different things and there were different things that were going on. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, it was a win for them on that. For sure. So, yeah, that's, it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean that's to interrupt okay. you. I think it's one of those two, like you talked about, like teaching people, like I don't think I would ever teach a game at a con, but like if I were thinking about doing something like that, I feel like this would be an easy one to do because it's, it wouldn't be one of those, even after, you know, months of not playing it, I, I don't think, I don't think it would be very hard to pick it back up and to be able to play it again or teach it to somebody else. So it's one of those games that's, you know, very accessible and I like that. Yeah. Some some games I feel like there's a lot of referencing back to directions and I don't I feel like this one would be okay to maybe if we needed to reference it a couple of times and then it we'd be fine. Yeah, for sure. So awesome. So that was Zoom in Barcelona. All right, next up, Blue Orange actually sent us another game too, um, King Domino Origins. So we're going to talk about our what it is, basically, and our thoughts on that game, too. Cool. So here's your twofer. So King Domino Origins. That is by Bruno Cathala. And art is by Cyril. And Kurt and I were going back and forth because if you read it as is, his last name would be Bouquet. But I don't know. I have a feeling it might be Boquette. Yeah, and I and I feel like his name is Cyril, not Cyril. But it could be. It could be either one. You never know. Oh, did I? And I was in my head. <laughs> I was thinking I should say it a certain way. And again, we're very sorry. Yikes. Okay, so this game plays eight and up, two to four players, and twenty-five minutes. There's a uniqueness to this game as it has three gameplay modes which we had the opportunity to be able to try all of the modes. Mm -hmm. I do have to say the difference between this one and Zoom in Barcelona is that I would have to look at the directions (laughs) for the different modes just to kind of really refresh my memory as we play this one again Mm -hmm. because I'd have to remember which mode is which and what we do in which mode. Yeah, definitely. Did I get my words mixed up there? I don't think so. Okay. I understood it well. Okay, good. Well, I kind of talk in weirdness. Okay. So the first mode, we're going to assume really that some of you maybe have played King Domino, but a very high level overview of King Domino would be that you're trying to build up your kingdom in a grid-like fashion with different types of territories. So you're using domino-type terrain to build around your territory to match um, specific territories. So plains, forests, mountains, those types of things. And you want to try to get the most points by collecting crowns and things in the original game of King Domino. Is that a good high-level overview? Yep. And you take turns selecting what um, dominoes you're going to take and um, so on and so forth. This is very similar in the selection process. However, there's different modes. So there's the discovery mode. And you have the opportunity. You can play this three to four players or they have a two-player variant. 
So we played all of these modes in two-player mm-hmm. fashion, so it's a little bit different than a three- to four-player. So in a two-player game, we actually um, use all of the 48 dominoes they provide. So that, like I said, the dominoes are a picture of a train on one side and numbers on the other side. Um, and that's how you lay them out. And then you're going to create a seven by seven territory. So for discovery mode, each player for a two player game is going to take two tribe chiefs of the same color instead of one, which the one would be for the three to four player. Tribe chiefs are basically just your player pieces that are going to help you when you're selecting your dominoes. Yeah, with the, with this theme it's more of like a cave person theme where you're mm-hmm. d- you're discover or you're making your own land kind of back when cavemen cavemen and women roamed the earth basically. So for the two player game um, basically you're going to put one of each of those colors in your hand, shake them up, drop one out. That is going to be the first person who takes the first choice of their domino and then whatever one they select in the row because you're lining up the dominoes and you're looking at the numbers on the back you're putting them in ascending order with the terrain face up and then the first the starting player will select whatever piece they want to start their their build basically and if they pick the first piece or the fourth piece then they get the first and the fourth pieces if they pick the second or the third, then they get the second and the third pieces. Mm-hmm. And then the other player will get the the other two. Yep. Yep. So Same. one and four always go together. Two and three always go together. Yep. And these two-player rules are for actually every game mode. So just keep that in mind. Yep. So basically, you're selecting a domino, and then you're placing your domino in your territory. Should we call it a territory? We can call it kingdom since it's in your, King Domino. Oh, yeah. <laughs> territory is basically what's on the... What's on the pieces. What's on the pieces. Correct. On the dominoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're placing your territory, and then you're continuing um, back and forth on that. So whoever selected that first piece in ascending order will actually take their tribe chief mm-hmm. and... There will be another row that you of dominoes that you place ascending in ascending order, four of them, and they select the next one. And then their other tribe chief will, will go hand in hand with it. So it's, again, the one and four, two and three, mm-hmm. no matter what game you're playing. And then you're going to place it also in your kingdom. Yep. And then it's a different for the three to four player. So it... You know, depending upon where you're at, so whoever has the lowest amount, so say it's like a one or whatever, and then it goes like five, seven, thirteen or whatever, whoever placed on that top domino gets to take their domino and put it in their kingdom, but then they also get to be the first person to take that tribe leader or whatever. Tribe chief. Tribe chief, sorry, I keep forgetting. Nope, that's okay. And then being able to place first on one of the other dominoes for the next time. And then the second player will do that in ascending order too, and that might actually change how the turns go for the next turn because you know you might pick the top domino for the first one, but then if you go, you might pick the third one. So that means you're going to be going third in the next in the next turn or whatever. For those of you that have played 
the original King Domino, when you place your dominoes, you have to remember that you have to match the terrain. So if you pick a domino that has a forest and a plane on it, you have to match your next domino. If you're going to place it next to it, it has to match with the same terrain. Yeah, but it it only has to match with a half of that. Yep, yep. whatever you have it lined up to. Yep, correct. And remembering that you're starting a piece that has, what did they call this one, though? Because the the original King Domino is like your kingdom with your castle. Mm -hmm. This one is a cave? I think so, I think so. That one's wild. Mm -hmm. So when you first collect your first terrain, you can place that anywhere up next to that terrain. And you can place any terrain you want around that one because that one's wild. But then you have to be conscious of what you're placing otherwise because they all have to match and again seven by seven grid so you have to kind of plan accordingly there too because you want to try to fill that whole seven by seven grid and not have like one square over up on the top and one on the bottom or whatever because you want to maximize your points yep and it's it's a five by five if it's three to four but it in a two-player game it's going to be that seven by seven So the difference in this mode, the discovery mode, they've added volcanoes. So at the beginning of the game, you're going to take out these cardboard pieces and they have uh, one one volcanic crater, two volcanic craters on another piece and three on another piece. So they've added this new special kind of terrain. So this terrain didn't exist in the original King Domino game, but it exists in King Domino Origins. So what happens is it basically, like a volcano, erupts, sends fire or flames throughout your kingdom, and causes some, what word do I want to use? A volcanic eruption? I was going to say some hinky pinky and that did not work. <laughs> no. No, that wouldn't. <laughs> causes some ruckus. Causes some ruckus. And normally, normally, uh, if you've seen SNL, usually fire bad. But in this one, fire is actually good. Because fire tokens on your... On your... Terrain. Uh, on your train help you get points. Just like the... The... What were those spots in King Domino that got you the points? The ones with the crowns. The ones with the crowns, yeah. So this one is fire because, of course, with the cavemen, fire was good because it helped... Keep them warm, help them eat. Exactly. Yep. And so there's no crowns in this one. It's fire. So any terrain that shows a volcano on it that has fire, it could show a one fire, um, two, three. If it shows a one, you can actually take one of those fire tokens And you can place it on another terrain square up to three squares away. However, there are a few rules. You cannot place a fire token or a fire symbol. Or you cannot place a fire token on a terrain that already has a fire symbol on it. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to place it on something that is empty, that doesn't have anything on it. Other things to remember when a volcano launches, it also cannot land on another volcano square, which makes sense. And then a fire can go in any direction or combination of directions. 
And it can move. So that means it can move diagonally Mm -hmm. also. Which is cool. Yep. And then also what happens is if you can't place a fire token because of the rules of the game, then you actually have to discard it, which sucks. But that's just part of the game. Well, and it makes sense that you'd have to discard it because there are just enough fire tokens that match the amount of uh, volcanoes Mm -hmm. on the tiles. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so then there's also a volcano that has two craters on it, and that launches two fires. That doesn't mean you take two fire tokens. That means you take a fire token that has two craters on it, and that can move up to two squares away. And then there's one volcano that has three craters that show on it. So you'd grab one of those fire tokens that has three fires on it, and that can launch one square away. But then that will, um, the, obviously, the more fire you have, the more points you're going to get. Just like crowns in the original King Domino, fire, the more fire you have. Because there are, there's also flames on some of the standard terrain dominoes also. So you're basically going to go back and forth with the other player or players, and you're going to... Place all your dominoes according to the rules um, of placement. If you cannot place it because you can't follow the rules or stay in the coordinates of how big your kingdom can be, then you cannot place it. And then the game ends when you make it through all of the dominoes and then you start scoring. So scoring is reviewing all of your territories so you start there's no particular order you could use the score pad that they have and start with your territories or your terrains and you say okay so this plains do i have any plains with fire in them oh i have one fire and three three spaces so one fire with three spaces gets me one times three is three if i have three fire and four spaces of one terrain, then I would do three times four, which is 12. And you keep matching all of your terrains throughout to score. So then you add together all your points and then the player with the highest points wins on that mode. If there's a tie, the player with the most fire symbols wins. If there's still a tie, then you share the victory, which no one likes. No, they do not. Right. Next is the totem mode. Uh, you play this, you set up the game similarly. Oh boy, that was a tough one. Did I say that right? Similarly. Yep. I'm never going to say that again. Anyway, uh, the same as the other game. You set it up, uh, except for you do some different things here. So the tiles that you are putting out in this game, if you've noticed, they actually have some outlined symbols of... They have some outlined symbols of resources on each or on some of them. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be taking these resource tokens from the box and adding them to the, the table just to put on your tiles for the game. So you've got mammoths, you got fish, you got mushrooms, and you've got flints. So it actually, when you are taking these dominoes from the stack and you're putting them on your board or on your in your kingdom what you're going to be doing is every time a symbol one of those symbols comes up you're going to be putting those on there so you're going to 
put a mammoth on the grassland, a fish on the lake, a mushroom in the jungle, and then flint on the quarry. And then the deserts and volcanoes don't get any sim- or don't have any symbols on them, so you can't use that. And then you also take the four totem tiles from the box that represent the resources and you put those out there. So what you're going to be doing is each time that you're placing these tiles and taking them and put them on your in your kingdom, you're going to be getting all these resources. Well, whoever has the most of that one resource during the game is going to be getting these totem tiles. They're going to be giving you extra points at the end of the game. So like the mammoth totem token is three points, the fish is four, the mushroom is five, and the flint is six because you're you're seeing less of the flint and the mushroom. So, you know, depending upon what you want to do, you're still going to want to try to get these points by matching these terrains and using these fire tokens to help get the multiplication of what's going on so like tracy alluded to this but i'm gonna kind of highlight it again so like the fire tokens depend upon where they're at are going to multiply what you're what you have going on so like if you have some grasslands that have like five you have like five grasslands and then you have two fire tokens you're going to take that two times the fire tokens times the five terrain and that's going to be 10 points but then you're going to be adding these you're going to be adding these totem tokens too but also what you're going to be doing is you're going to be adding one point for every resource you still have on your board, too. Ways to get rid of those resources, though, are the volcanoes. So if you use a volcano and you accidentally, or if you are going to put it on a spot where there's a resource sitting there, you're going to actually have to get rid of that resource. So you're going to have to decide if the resource is going to get you the more points or that fire token is going to get you more points. You kind of have to make that decision. And you play the game out just like you would a normal King Domino Origins game with these uh, different rules. And then you'd add the points in, and then whoever has the most points wins. Again, ties. We don't care about ties. You can do ties when you want. I'm not going to talk about it. We already talked about it. You can uh, wear a tie. You can. You wear a tie while you're doing your tie and eating bow tie pasta and tying your shoes. Okay, get out okay, of here. Okay, I'm sorry. Good Lord. <laughs> And lastly, we've got the tribe mode. So the tribe mode is going to use components of the first two modes we talked about. So it's going to use the resources that you're collecting from the tiles that contain the fish or the mammoths or the flint or whatnot. And you're using these, you're recruiting cavemen basically. And there's different cavemen that allow for different things. So they basically get you more points through the game. So you basically recruit or hire these cavemen to be able to amp up your kingdom, so to speak. So you use one a different, well, you use two resources. Each one has to be different. Mm -hmm. So if you want to recruit a caveman that you've laid out when you set up this mode, you can lay out or you basically display four cavemen. And if you want to recruit one of them, you would pay one, let's say, mushroom and one fish. And you pay that and you recruit one of these cavemen. You take it and you can place it wherever you'd like. However, things to consider when you're placing cavemen is that you have to, if you want to place it somewhere, you want to place it based on the type of cavemen it is. So some cavemen, 
If they're surrounded by fish resources, they'll earn a specific amount of points. If they're surrounded by mushrooms, they'll earn a specific amount of points. If they're surrounded by another resource, they'll earn a specific amount of points. There are some cavemen that if they're in a group of cavemen that just have points on them, they'll earn those points plus by a certain power of cavemen. So let's say you've collected a caveman that has a two in a bubble and a three in a bubble and a one in a bubble. Then you have three cavemen. So you add three or you times three by however many points you have in those bubbles. Yep. And they have to go horizontally and vertically. They cannot go diagonally. Yep. Um, another thing we didn't talk about here, which I would just mention really quick, is when you're placing a caveman, you can't place one that has a fire symbol, a fire token, or a wooden resource. So that kind of makes it a little bit harder to place your caveman out on your tiles. Yep. So when you're um, recruiting one, you might want to consider taking one of those resources to recruit it mm-hmm. if you want to place it in that spot. True. But basically the resources can be surrounding it and each of those resources then depending on the cavemen are worth a point or not a point but are worth points so but it it would surround the entire caveman mm-hmm. so that that's a cool option to be able to do that um i think there are other ones also where if they're uh they're affiliated with fire Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that they're affiliated with other cavemen. There's a bunch of different things, but basically the same one, not the same one, this game also ends once you've completed your kingdom and all that is awesome with your kingdom. <laughs> and then you do the scoring. So you're scoring your cavemen, your points associated with them. You're scoring your territories Everything that's associated with them. One thing that we forgot to say, too, is if you want to recruit any caveman that is in the tile of cavemen to the left of it, you can actually discard one of each of the four resources, and you can actually look through that pile and grab any one caveman that you like, which is cool. Which we never did. Yeah, because it seems like it's hard. We got greedy with our resources. (laughs) We did. So um, basically, again, final final scoring is um, adding up all those bonus points that you earned from the caveman, from your board, any resources that you place in your territory during setup don't, don't earn you any points. So any ones that you have left over besides them scoring off of those caveman tokens don't count. So I think in the last mode we talked about, you scored points off those resource tokens. Correct. You do not in this mode. Yep. You only score if you have a caveman that actually helps you. Yeah, with the resource. With the around. resource scoring. Yep. Because you score a lot of points if you have resources that surround those guys. Yep. Yep. I like that because it's it's forcing you to do more cavemen and women and stuff like that to help build this area because. Yep. You know, again, I I like games that force you to do those steps and you're not just be like, oh, well, I don't, I'm just going to save all these resources. I'm going to get all these points. Well, that's not how it works in this game. So those are the three different modes for King Domino Origins. Again, I had no idea that number one, this game was out. 
I don't know if I live under a rock, probably. Um, our house is a rock. And number two, once I knew it was out, I didn't realize there were three modes. So I'm going to go first and tell you what I thought of. Are we going to tell say what we thought of the game first? Sure, let's do that. Okay. I really like that they have the three gameplay modes. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like with the three gameplay modes, um, each one adds a different element to the mode or to the, your gameplay and I feel like it wouldn't get boring mm-hmm. because like if you're I suppose if you're bored with one mode you can move to the next one and then you can move to the next one and they complement each other so I feel like it's a win so I really like that I don't think they skimped on the resources they're like wooden resources and they're cute and cool and but I, I'm a fan of King Domino anyway, so I like the strategy factor, and I'm always wanting to make sure that my grid doesn't miss any squares, and when I miss, I'm devastated. What did you think of it? I liked it. I, I Again, I just like you, I really like the King Domino series. Queen, I haven't pl- We haven't played Queen Domino, I don't think. No. But... Um, We've even played... Have we played the big King Domino? No. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did. We yeah, we did. Con. We played the... We also have the rolling right, too. Yep. We've played the giant King Domino. Yeah, which was really fun. Yep. Yeah, I just... I feel like this... It's just a series that works. You know, it... This seems to me like it's King Domino with expansions, kind of. You know, because, like, the, the first mode is very similar to King Domino, except for that volcano thing kind of makes it a little bit different. And then, like you said, those other two modes, you know, throw in a little bit more and a little bit more. So you can play the first mode, which is very simplistic. You can add those other couple of things, which really don't make it that much more complex. It just adds a little, a couple more things to it. And the gameplay itself is very streamlined and very easy to do. And yeah, I just, I don't ever have complaints about these games because it's just, they're just fun. You know, I like, I like the concept of taking the original game of Domino and making it into like this fantasy setting or whatever you want to call it and being able to make it in a way that's just different from regular Dominoes. But again, it just works. So yeah, so let's rate, let's rate King Domino Origins. I'll let you go first this time. So I'm kind of struggling between um, two of them. So I want like a in between one. Nope, you can't. Sorry. But I'm going to. That's not. That's not. I'm part of the. That's why we have a rating system. I'm part of the MFG cast. You are. You can do whatever you want. And so I'm going to pick in between collection keeper and fair player for this one. Why did you have a tough time picking between the two? Well, because I feel like this one, I would like to have it come to the table more often than not. Because of the different types of options you have for gameplay. Mm -hmm. And I like the strategy factor and I like the ability to be able to do those types of things. But I also sway to fair player because I wouldn't want to play it so much that I wouldn't want to play it as much. Mm -hmm. Did that sentence make sense? (laughs) It did. 
because I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to get burned out on it either. So you don't want to have it where it's welcome. Basically. Yeah. So I'm kind of in between um, the two because I feel like there's a lot of good things about this game and all of the games in these, in this series of games. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's such a treat when you bring them to the table anyway that I, I don't want to ruin it. So that's kind of why I'm in between. Yeah. And that's why you're going to allow me to pick okay. the one in between. Sure. Undecided. <laughs> I love you. This isn't, this isn't a college degree <laughs> decision. That's true. There you have it, folks. Nice. All right, Kurt, what do you say? Uh, I also call this one a fair player. I feel like it's one that I'd like to get to my table more. I agree with you. I wouldn't want to play it all the time just to get it to, you know, get burnt out on it. Plus, we've got King Domino and the Rollin' Right, too. I think it, it would be one that if anybody wanted to play it, I w- certainly would not turn it down. Um, Except for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't even want well, to. Well, you it. said bring it to your table, so yeah. I figured you didn't want me to play at your table. I'm sorry. I was very undecided hey. what to call my table. So. Oh, <laughs> <shush>. <laughs> Oh, no, you. I I really like I love the King Domino <laughs> series. I think this is this is no different. I really enjoy it. I would love to get it to the table and and teach other people too. Because again, I feel like this is just like the Zoom in Barcelona. Very easy to teach. Very easy to play, and you can get it done in you know a half an hour. Like both of these games, you could play in a game night, well, and maybe even multiple times. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, unless you have a really abbreviated game night. That is true. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to get both of these to the table. Really enjoy it. Thank you again to Blue Orange Games for letting us have review copies of this so we could tell everybody else about how wonderful they are. If you have any questions for us, you can always visit our Twitters at MFGCast, at Mrs. Aug. You can also find us on Instagram. I am KT Omular on Instagram. I don't know why I had a problem figuring that out. Uh, you are Tracy Omular on Instagram, and uh, I have a TikTok, MFGCast on TikTok. Uh, I gotta do more TikToks. I only have three right now. I need to do a lot more than that, and I will do that eventually. But um, yeah, that's it for us. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Kurt. And I'm Tracy. And this was the MFGCast. Bye. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.